Good evening and welcome to another episode of the Alex and Mo podcast. Uh, tonight, Alex and I were rested after a short break for July 4th. And we welcome Aaron Borgman uh, at Rehab All-Star, currently serving as a physical therapist and athletic trainer with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, they won the Super Bowl last uh, season and they've been two-time champions. So Aaron, welcome to the show. Yeah, one quick yeah, one quick uh, correction. No no problems. I, I haven't been with the Chiefs for five years or so now, but I was with them previously for sure. Okay. Thank so, five, were you there when Pat was there? Uh, I was there for his rookie season. Yeah. So he sat behind Alex. Yeah, uh, Alex we. Uh, yeah, that's right. Alex Smith was our quarterback that season. And when we drafted Pat, and everybody kind of knew that that was the thing that was going to happen, and Pat was going to take so over. And to his credit, Alex did a phenomenal of being that dude that like showed him the ropes, kind of, kind of you know introduced him to the pro uh, arena. They don't want to do for their replacement. Alex was the consummate professional about everything. He he looks like a cool dude. I mean, obviously he had that tragic injury, so there was the. Um, you know, that special that ESPN did on him and, you know, with his family right, and right. stuff. And, and uh, he looks like a, you know, real stand-up guy, like a real cool dude um, who would, you know, literally give you the shirt off his back to, to help you out. So that, you know, I think, you know, life and, you know, if you're a believer, you know, faith and all that, things tend to work out in what I feel is, you know, the way it should be. And it looks like Alex probably needed to be there for Pat um, and then kind of move on to the Redskins and everything that he's gone through. So, yeah. Um, and so I, I've, I've been very fortunate to know Alex for a very long time and we still talk to this day. I just played golf with him out in California um, toward the end of last year. And so, you know, things like that, you, you, you make these bonds, you forge these relationships and they don't always go away. Right. You know, um, crazily enough in the NFL, you end up spending more time, with these players than you do with your family. And so they kind of become second nature as your family, uh, you know, and it's not just him, obviously he's a very high profile guy, but it's everybody down the roster, especially when you spent a lot of time rehabbing people and, you know, quarterbacks kind of always fell underneath my domain, be it in Philadelphia or Kansas city. I was always kind of hanging around the quarterbacks and designing programs for the quarterbacks. Um, even beginning to trademark a program called QB school at the time. And, you know, we, we, we spend a lot of time together and that's the hallmark of a good, uh, um, you know, I think the term nowadays is therapeutic alliance where you have with your patients. And so you really get to know them uh, really intensely that way for the better. Awesome. So I, I always like to, to kind of go back and kind of get an idea of, you know, Aaron, the PT student, Aaron, the ATC oh. student. And then how how it kind of evolves to where you are today, and and obviously the experiences that you've had. I mean, being yeah. you know on an NFL sideline, I think if you were to poll the majority of first year PT students, you know, would they tell you their dream job is is something along those lines? I mean, it definitely would have been what I would have answered when I was in PT school, right? You know, it's everybody's mm -hmm. kind of everybody's kind of little dream is to to yeah. be on it you know, whether it be an NFL sideline, NBA, you know, whatever it may be. But how did how did you get to where you are today and, and all those experiences, good and bad, um, that, that got you to that point? Yeah. Okay. Big, deep breath. Here we go. We ready for this crazy story? Um, so got, I, I played a bunch that. of sports in high school, right? <laughs> I played a bunch of sports in high school. and I was not good at any of them. I was never a future for me in sports beyond high school. And I knew that I wanted to be involved in sports. And I had actually dislocated my shoulder twice playing football. And, you know, looking back on it, uh, and even at the time, I thought, like, I don't, I don't think I, they did a very good job. And I'm not knocking anybody. It was just kind of the current medicine is the way it was. And I thought to myself, and, and this has kind of been a theme throughout my life, no matter what I do is that I can do my version of that. And so I set out to go to PT school. Um, I applied to a bunch of different ones. And the one that I got into, St. Louis University, uh, was just 
50 miles down the road. So I got lucky. When you step foot on campus, you were in PT school day one, which back then, and I'm digging myself a little bit here, um, wasn't always the case, right? And so uh, did all that, did a bunch of rotations with a bunch of different sports. Uh, I also got my athletic training certification at the time through a thing called the internship route, which was if you could prove that you did 1500 hours in the athletic training room, volunteer work, of course. Um, and then you could prove that your coursework kind of carried over to the athletic training coursework. You could sit for the exam. And I was very fortunate it exists. Um, and so I became, I got my bachelor's in exercise science, my master's in physical therapy, and I became athletic training certified kind of in my free time, right? Which I had none in college. Um, I will be the very first person in the world to tell you, I was a terrible, terrible, terrible student. Um, I was, I got straight A's in high school. I didn't study once in my life. And then I went to college and I got my backside kicked in, man. Like I just got the doors blown off and I struggled for a long while about learning how to study and how to absorb information. I'm still not great at it. And so I have to seek out alternative forms of stuff like podcasts and videos because that's how I absorb information better. And um, I, I, I made it through PT school. It was tough. Um, I didn't get the best grades in the world. I'll be the first to tell you that. But I was a rock star clinician at the time. And I thought I was really, really, really hot stuff. I mean, my ego couldn't fit through the door. I was getting crappy grades, but I was a good clinician, right? So um, I was very fortunate in college to get an internship with the St. Louis Cardinals. I'm a huge baseball nut. And so I sat in the dugout for an entire summer of all the home games. That was cool. Somehow I had talked myself into the fact that football works less hours than baseball. Um, I have no <laughs> idea why I did that. But then I got two subsequent summer internships with the Rams while they were still in St. Louis. Again, dating myself very well. Um, and then I decided that like football was my thing. Like I was in with football. I really enjoyed it. I dug the whole grind of training camp. I dug the day-to-day -day thing and I didn't really have a job, but I was like going out to the Rams practice facility a couple times a week and just like hanging out and showing up and basically, you know, being their intern for free because I just wanted to absorb all that stuff. Right. And wanted to be around it. I ended up graduating, get finished with all my clinicals and I got a job with NFL Europe. Again, dating myself because NFL Europe doesn't exist anymore. And I was set to go to Cologne, Germany, which I was super, super excited about. My family's very German. We're from that area. The World Cup was in Germany that year. So I was like, man, I get to spend, you know, three free months in Germany, work football. I, this is awesome. Two days before I go to Tampa for training camp, um, the Philadelphia Eagles call me and they have a job opening. And it was not a traditional job opening, but they needed a physical therapist, athletic trainer that had had a bunch of NFL experience where I was going to be in the athletic training room as a PT, AT all year long. But then in the off season, I would go to a sponsored clinic at the time, Select Medical, NovaCare, which is a big <coughs> national corporation. Uh, Monique probably knows that from the East Coast. Uh, and so, you know, I kind of had a trade off. I did that for six years where I was essentially a full-time employee by the in-season and the off-season. Well, then in 2011, the collective bargaining agreement with the NFL changed, and they required that every team had have a full-time physical therapist on staff. I, I was in the that. right place at the right time, obviously. They knew me. I knew them. It, yeah, it was a big deal because... Um, you know, uh, and we won't get into about, but, um, it created a lot of problems on team staffs because a lot of teams didn't employ physical therapists at the time and didn't want to. Correct. And so, you Correct. know, it was kind of a blessing in disguise that I was, I was there, they knew me and that whole thing. So they then became full staff. Well, at then we had a terrible season, terrible season. Uh, one of the worst losses was to Tampa, by the way, uh, that season. Uh, we ended up, we knew our head coach was getting fired. We knew that everybody could have the potential of leaving or coming. And that's just kind of how NFL life goes. What ended up happening was our head coach, Andy Reid, about three hours away. And we'd been kind of looking about how to get back closer to home. We had had a son, um, you know, how that goes. My wife's career had started to kind of take off. 
that kind of thing. So what what we did was like we kind of just said, hey, look, you know, if if, if Kansas City's the move, we'd be interested. And you know, there's a couple intermediary moves to make and get things done, but it worked out. And so I moved to Kansas City with my wife and my son at the time, and I became the second in command of day-to-day medical here as a PTAT in charge of the vast majority of rehab, also a bunch of the logistics, the day-to-day ops of the training room, things like that. My boss kept his position from Philly to Kansas City, came with Andy, and it Uh, I had a great, great time here in Kansas City with the uh, I was getting to the point where I have this problem, right? Like I have a seven-year itch where I always got to evolve and kind of do something new and do something different. And it's a blessing and a curse, right? Um, and I think I'm the only person that has ever said out loud that I got bored with the NFL. Uh, I had a contract in my hand and I gave it back to my boss and my boss's jaw just kind of dropped to the floor. He's like, what are you doing? Do you have a job? I said, no. He goes, do you know what you want to do? And I go, no. I said, I just think it's, it's time for me to do something else. I kind of miss my kids. We had had a daughter by then. So now I have two kids. My wife's career is really hitting overdrive burnt out on the NFL life nine 80 90 hours a week it's old after a while and I had done it for 12 years I got very fortunate I got in when I was 25 and so then I'm 37 I'm like do I want to build furniture do I want to sell real estate like what do I want to do and so I took six months off basically and I decided that I'm really really good at this thing right but I didn't know how much longer I wanted to do it. And I still don't every day. It's you know kind of a balancing act about how I want to do things. But I knew I wanted a bunch of variety. And so I opened up my own business uh, in the summer of 18. Uh, I call it, call I, I jokingly call it the Netflix of rehab because it's push button. It's at your convenience. I don't have a facility. I come to you, the client, uh, whether that means across the street or across town or I hop on a plane. <coughs> Um, you know, whatever it need be. Um, I've had the great fortune to do a bunch of consulting for a bunch of companies and, you know, become, you know, part of a bunch of advisors for a bunch of that kind of thing. Um, I've had a lot more flexibility in my personal life and, you know, with my work life, working with docs that I want to work with and conditions that I work work with. The great part about my life now is that I get to say no, um, which not a lot of people do when they enter, you know, the clinic setting. Um, I'm a professional sports sideline, uh, and now somehow frequently enough, I own my own business. Um, it's, it's just been a whirlwind to be completely honest with you and pause. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's great though. Um, I do get the seven year itch that you're talking about, um, yeah. because you feel like, okay, I could do more. But, you know, in more in scaling, it's like, okay, you're at a new level, so you're at the bottom of the new level. So the feeling is like, oh, damn, did I do the right thing? So is it more like a concierge <laughs> model that you have now? I'm the accountant. I'm the social media guy. I'm the, uh, you know, I'm everything, right? I, I do it all, and I carry a patient load now where I'm comfortable with the amount of money that I'm going to make every week, right? I'm comfortable with the amount of work I'm going to do every week. And I balance that out with my, my wife's job and my kids needs, especially now in summer. Where is, is your wife? Good. Is your wife in healthcare? Yeah, she's actually, uh, uh, we, we, I jokingly call her the brains and me the beauty, and she absolutely love it when I said that. Uh, she's a trauma nurse by trade, but now she's a professor of nursing at the uh, medical center here in uh, town, Kansas City, uh, Kansas University Medical Center. And uh, awesome. she's the head of simulation for all. She's a rock star. Nice, nice. Congrats to her. That's all. <laughs> I'm not her coattails now. <laughs> Just riding along. Hey, 
take it while you can get it. Okay. Yep. That's awesome. Hey, That's I, awesome. I get to golf more and fish more now and barbecue more, so everything's great. Uh, yeah, hey, speaking, life speaking is good. Barbecue, life you, is good. Um, you barbecued tonight, right? This evening. I did. I uh, I got home early this afternoon and I threw some stuff on the grill. Uh, I, as I said, I was saying to you beforehand, Mama was at book club tonight, and so it was me and the kids and. Uh, I made uh, a bunch of lamb ribs, actually, and I, uh, I the kids devoured them. So I must have done something right. In the nice. future, in the future, Aaron, I love lamb. So um, we did try to organize with Nick uh, to have a barbecue off. I would be the judge. I'll do all the tasting since Alex barbecues as well. So we'll get together somewhere in the middle. Actually, yeah. prove if Kansas City is better than North yep. Carolina or... I mean, we, they argue we, about the best type no, of no, 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 no. <laughs> North Carolina and Texas has the best barbecue. I'm born and raised in Missouri. North Carolina and Texas has the best barbecue. Okay, I don't think those people in Kansas City would like to hear that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's. Uh, I mean, to me, honestly, it's all good. I'm gonna make a lot I, of enemies I, with that, but yeah. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. But yeah. yeah. Mo and I jokingly like we gotta get together at some point and just have a bunch of smoke was going because you know the the little sub PT Twitter world that we have yeah. um, with the grilling and the smoking like it's some good stuff that comes out but um, I, I wanted to ask you what was the one thing that you would say to somebody who wanted to attempt to break into that, into that, the NFL world, because that's the world, you know, but I mean, obviously it can apply to yeah. a professional sports. Cause I feel like you either at the right place at the right time and, or, you know, the right person, right? Because right. it's such a, it's such a small world. There's right. only X amount of spots and usually the people that have those spots, like yourself, keep it for a certain time. Yeah. You know, maybe they get the seven-year itch or not. Some just say, hey, I'm going from here to the grave <laughs> or, or very close to it um, when I have that position. So what would be your your advice to, to right. one of our, you know, up-and-coming professionals, somebody watching or, or whatever that, that has – hopes and dreams of trying to get into that world. Um, let's be very clear here. I got lucky, right? Right place, right time, right availability. But I'm going to brag on myself a little bit by saying I got lucky, but my resume was stacked that when I got that chance, somebody couldn't say no to me because I had done all this volunteer work. I had done all these interns. I had, I had taken the time in college and in my young professional career to put myself out there and create relationships. And I guess, I guess, and I get this question a lot on social media. Um, I guess my biggest point is going to give you anything. And I, I worked in the NFL for a very long time and I got out and like, then it was kind of radio silence for a while. It's just like, look, like tease. And, and 2023 is that it's, it's, it's okay to bust your backside still and put yourself out there and put your name and your face in front of people. Because when that right time and right lucky place does come along, you want to have all the stuff lined up for when someone's looking to measure you against somebody else, right? And there's going to be times when the grind kind of stinks because you're working for t-shirts and, you know, uh, different stuff that we all thought was cool in college to get like a, you know, an internship or a volunteer opportunity at a camp and you got to, you get free swag. And that, that was like the pinnacle of your existence in college. And so I did all that, like, I, I didn't have a ton of social life in college because I was always 
work jams or this and that. And, and, you know, that was a trade-off for sure. Um, and there's always a balance with that kind of stuff. But I, I guess my overarching point is that um, people are looking for people that they know they can do the job and have experience. And if you just get out of college and now say, now I'm going to start with my experience, you're almost a little bit behind to some extent now because you have all this extra time in college that you're never going to have any other time, right? For sure, for start sure. Often. And, and, and don't worry if you don't get paid right away because ninety-nine percent of opportunities are just like sticking your neck out there and doing the work and proving that you can do the job, quite frankly. Um, and, and I think that stands out more than anything and creating relationships. Uh, you're, you're quite correct. Building relationships is important. Um, the thing now is because uh, the increasing student debt, a lot of people find it hard to just be working for t-shirts or swag. Um, they want to get paid because the student loans they have to repay. So it's tough for some people, but I do agree with you. Sometimes you just have to show up, keep grinding, keep hustling. It, it's going to pay off uh, later on. But now it's tough for some people to accept that's what's needed to get there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think everybody wants the, the easy. The At least easy that's been fix. my experience. Yeah, for sure. Um, now, speaking of students and, you know, grinding and that stuff, uh, on your Twitter, you had mentioned yeah. something about your thoughts on residency, right? So, I did a sports residency coming out of PT school um, because again, what I wanted to do was be the, the sports PT guy. So I did the right. residency. Uh, I thought it was beneficial to me. Sure. Um, but kind of along with what your thought was, it's, it's a very unique situation because it's depends on what that individual is wanting to accomplish and also what sort of responsibilities they carry right when i finished pt school i was single i had nobody to worry about but myself um that's not always the case for somebody if i wanted to do a residency now married two kids absolutely no way um the, sure. the time the financial constraints so you know it's very easy to say Oh yeah, everybody should do them, or, or no, you shouldn't do them. But it, it's there is no one size fits all. No, there's um, not. And and my whole thing about residencies is I thought long and hard about it, and I was at a time period where they were doing the transitional DPT, where they wanted us to stay in school eighteen more hours to get that doctorate, and. You know, I, I've told you guys I was not a great student and I was already itching to get out. And had I actually stayed in school that extra semester, I would have missed out on an opportunity for NFL Europe, which missed out on this, which would have missed out on this. So for me, it was the right choice. That doesn't mean that my path was the same. And, you know, I, I got to add on to that, that I had done so much work in the athletic training room as a physical therapy student that I kind of felt like that satiated my need for the residency. Now, not everybody gets that opportunity, right? And so I think it's, it's a very nuanced issue, especially when, if you don't feel like you've had enough exposure to the thing that you want to in PT school, go do the residency. Make sure you got it down because there's a lot of times, can't tell you how many colleagues that I've had joined one specialty and said, no, this ain't for me. And then went back to something else, peds, neuro, geriatrics, whatever, right? You know, I, I just happened to focus on sports and I was really, really close to doing a sports residency, but I was like, I just want to get into the workforce. I want to, I want to get going. Like, 
school was a grind for me. And so that led me to not choosing the residency. So I think it's different for everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Alex did sports. Now he's doing home health. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you would have asked me or told me in PT school, Hey, you know, 10 plus years down the road, you're going to be doing home health and working primarily with a a geriatric population. I'd been like, man, you're full of it. Like, there's no way I'm doing that. Um, But you, you grow, you mature, you kind of figure out, you know, your path and, and, and you work for it. I mean, right now, honestly, the amount of flexibility, like some of the points that you were making about work-life balance, being able to be around for, for your wife and your kids and when they need you and when you want to be involved. That's something that for me is basically a part of my world in home health because I have that utmost flexibility, right? I'm able to control uh, that work-life balance. I'm able to, when my wife was pregnant with both my boys, I was at every doctor's appointment. You know, I didn't have to ask for permission or do that because it's in, it's kind of embedded into, to my work day. Right. So, you know, a lot of things we have to figure out what is truly the most important thing to us. And that's going to change depending on what phase of life you're in. Right. Like, yeah. And when, when I first got into the NFL, I just knew that I was going to be a lifer. I knew it. I knew it. I was going to do this. I loved it. Well, not only did I change, right. But the league changed and how medical care deliveries changed and the players' attitudes changed. And none of that's bad, but it's all something that has to like go into this big nebulous of how we go about our everyday lives, right? And, and you know, stupidly, very stupidly, very egotistically, I thought, man, when I get out of this, this gig, like uh, everything is going to go south. Guess what? They still played games on Sunday, right? They, they didn't stop the league just because I left. Um, I was really good at my job. But guess what? They still played games every Sunday, right? And so, you know, um, it's a little bit humbling in that regard. And you're like, okay, well, life goes on. But now I've got this other thing over here now that I'm cultivating. And it's been fun. And it's been terrible. And it's been amazing. And it's been awesome. And, you know, it's just different. And that's okay, too. And I think we, we pigeonhole things too much, especially in our profession. Um, and, and I think if we, we kind of lose sight of the forest through the trees kind of thing, um, and, and, and there's, there's a balance for everybody and everybody's balance is different, right? And so I think what's important is to find what works for you as opposed to doing what you think everybody else does or what you think is right or what is popular, all that nonsense. Um, let's touch upon the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. Um, all three of us here are, um, are business owners. A lot of people glamorize the the great things. Um, so what are some, if you don't mind sharing, yeah. what are some of the challenges um, starting your own business as that you've experienced? So, well, as I was telling you before we got on, mm-hmm. I... I was the guy in college that was never, ever, 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 ever going to be private practice. Never, 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 never. Didn't take one business class. Didn't said, nope, I'm never going to do it. And here I am this amount of years later. And I'm, I'm almost five years in now to own my own business. Um, I asked so many questions. And when I structured my business the way that I did, it was a very specific reason because I did not know a lot and I did not want to lose my house and I didn't want to lose my, my kids college funds and, you know, things like that. So, you know, I, I talked to some smart business people. Um, I did not open a facility by design. Uh, I am a mobile therapist that uh, lives on a border, but two States. So I have to be dual licensed and dual accredited and duly insured for everything. Right. And so, you know, asking all those questions and finding out those answers between two states and two practice acts, you know, I can dry needle in one state, I can't dry needle in the other, you know, I don't dry needle much at all, by the way, very, very little. Um, But the point being is like, you have to figure out like what all this is, right? I don't accept any form of insurance, I'm cash based. So what does that mean? That means I have to record things differently in an accountant ledger. I have to provide bills to people who want them correctly so they can turn them back in. And so, you know, 
all of these things I, I learned pretty much by failing, essentially. And I failed, I'd like to think that I failed upward a little bit, right? Because you do something wrong and that's fine. Just don't do it wrong again. And so, uh, you know, it's been a trip. It's been a journey. And uh, I'm happy with where my company's at. Um, if a different, more exciting opportunity comes along tomorrow, well, maybe that's the thing. And I kind of structured my company to where I almost don't have any overhead uh, because I don't have a facility. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so if I want to get out and I want to do something else different, then I can do it tomorrow, right? And so, you know, um, there's pluses and minuses to all of that. But again, per our discussion, that kind of works for my life right now because I can hop on a plane and go take care of somebody. Uh, I can drive five minutes. I can drive an hour. I can drive to St. Louis. You know, I have clients all over the Midwest. Um, but it's afforded me amazing opportunities to go take care of people in some crazy places. Like I spent a week in Montana last year, um, you know, taking care of a private client. I spent, uh, you know, all of the beginning of 2021 flying back and forth to Charleston two days a week. Uh, you know, so like it's, I think we limit ourselves by our own limitations, not because of what we're able to do, right? Um, if you want to do something, just go do it, figure it out along the way. I, I, it's a, it's a quote from a famous comedy show, but say yes and figure it out until you get there, right? Um, yes, so that's kind of what I did. That has been my uh, motto for the past uh, three months. So yeah. Alex is finally excited because I told him, you know what, Alex, I'm just going to take a vacation. I don't care where. I'm just going to book a ticket and I'm going to go first class too. So yeah, well, <laughs> I'm we, taking a golf. <laughs> I'm on a golf trip next week going first class. So I get it. I get it. I still haven't got the first class part. I take tons of vacation. Like I, I'm a, a, a firm believer in, you know, at least a day a month I take off. Um, if not more, but for me, it's like, you know, having that balance again, like spending time with my wife, my kids and, and doing things, experiencing yeah, things yeah. like, you know, you see all these, like, and you'll relate to this, uh, Aaron as, as being a father. It's like, you only get a certain amount of time mm -hmm. with them wanting to be around you, wanting to do things with you or, right. or, or wanting to, to share that. Right. So to me, it's like, man, I, I just can't let this pass me by uh, because I don't want to regret. Like, I don't want to, to look back and yes, I was successful professionally. You know, I was happily married and, and life is good. I'm very blessed, but I don't want to be like, man, did, did I do enough with my kids? Like, did I, right. did I create those memories for them? Right. Um, and, and, and now it's just like figuring it out. Like, we'll figure it out. Like, let's go do it. I'll figure out how we're going to make it happen and, and everything that goes with it. But, and I want to be very clear. I loved, loved, loved my time in the NFL. Right. The thing that got me was my, I had had two kids by the time I got out and my wife was sending me videos of the kids doing stuff. And I actually saw a neighborhood parent in the background pushing my kid down a hill snow sledding and I was like nope that's it I, I I'm, I'm good like I can't I can't do that anymore and yeah. it wasn't that one moment there was a culmination right and that's that's specific to me right and I, I want to be very clear about that because some of my best friends in the league still um, they have huge families and they, they they do a great job and it was just it was it was the way that I wanted to live my life and hang out with my family and I wanted my wife to have her kind of shot in what she wanted to do because the right, wrong, or otherwise the spouses in the NFL don't uh, do a whole lot, but take care of families. There's exceptions, obviously. I'm just saying the vast majority. And, and my wife is a very busy professional person and she deserved, you know, that shot as well. And she can't do that when she's taking care of the kids all day, every day. So, uh, and the kids were younger then, and now they're a little bit older and, you know, my kids are playing all kinds of sports and doing all kinds of activities. And I drive them to those things. And, I get to watch that now. And, um, you know, we, we have found our balance, right? Where this, this time period where she's coming, I'm going, I'm going, she's coming. Like, you know, it's all, it's all specific to us. And what I think is more important in 2023 than anything is that every single person finds that for them, right? You may not have kids and you want to grind that 80 and 90 hours a week. That's awesome. You may not have a spouse that you have to have these kind of considerations. 
that's fine too. I'm not chastising anyone for their choices. I think that's the beauty of our uh, profession that you can have all these options. What I think is important that everybody finds how it works for them. And then when you find that, you're comfortable with it, right? Because um, I have this thing about voting, right? You can't complain if you don't vote. No matter who you vote for, you can't complain if you don't vote. Well, the world of physical therapy is kind of the same way. There's a lot of um, thoughts on every side of every issue in our profession, right? Well, if you're not going to take action and try to change or better your situation if you don't like it, well, then you can't really complain, right? And so you have to figure out what works for you. And I think that is the biggest thing that we can do, um, you know, in, in our profession and as family members and good spouses, good friends, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, it's tough. It's extremely tough. And there's, you're always going to, I call it the 80-20 rule, like the 20% always looks better over there, but you've got a really good 80% over here, right? And so it's always balancing out, like, what do you want? Do you want the 20% that you don't have, or you want the 80% that you do? So uh, I don't know. I'm rambling now, but that's kind of how I go through my days. Oh, no, no that's great life advice. Um, you you got to do what works for you. Find what works for you. And and, and it, it it's very telling when it comes from somebody like yourself whose experience sounds like, you know, across the spectrum, you've done the 80, 90 grind. And now you're on the other side of it where you're like, like you said, I can say no, like, no, I'm not going to do that because I have to do this with my kids or my wife yeah. needs me here. So I'm yeah. not going to do that. Right. So having that, that, that exp exposure to both extremes sort of really put things in perspective. I feel like I, I, you know, never to the 80, 90 or, or to the, the workload of being on an NFL staff. But, you know, I feel like Mo, my, myself and, and probably a bunch of people watching at some point or another have really dug their heels in and said, I'm just going to grind and grind and grind. Yeah. And eventually, you know, that wears on you and, and you, you have to take that step back. So whether it's Mo taking her vacation or or me with my kids, like, we need that break, right? Even yeah. if you're going to grind, like, you know, just like we tell our athletes, like there's proper rest, there's proper everything that kind of goes into that, that the same thing works for us and how we go about choosing our professions. Cause you know, if not, we, we get into the, the, this, you know, catchword that you hear nowadays, which is burnout, right? right. So everybody's yeah. burned out because they're overworked, overstressed. Um, some of it, out of their control, some of it within their control, right? Yeah. So, like you said, you know, if if you don't like the situation, you've got to find ways to to make moves, um, to try to better your situation because not, you're just going to run yourself into the ground. Yeah, and and again, that's different for everybody. Some people might not be happy with the money that they're making, right? All right, well then go find a way to fix that, right? Some people might not like the hours they're working, then find a way to fix that. And I think uh, the key being that that's different for absolutely everybody. I made great money in the NFL and I'm not going to say that I didn't, but if, if you did it by the hour, I made terrible money. right? And so I'm, I'm not going to say that, you know, uh, I, I've superseded all my financial goals here in my own business because no one ever does the first couple of years of being in business. Right. But I'm very happy with what I'm doing. I work, Honestly, if I'm being completely honest, I work about a third as much as I used to. Um, I, I cook a lot more. I'm, I'm, I take my kids to and from school a lot more. Um, you know, I, I'm very fortunate that our, our life situation is allowing that. And we kind of knew that I was going to change things. So we kind of set that up to where it would. Uh, but that setup works for us. Right. And. You know, there may come a time here in a year or so where I get tired of this and I want to grind again for another five years before I slow it back down. But I think what the cool part about our profession is that we have all the options, no matter what your specialty is. We have all the options to be able to do that as long as you put in a little bit of effort to get to that point. Right. Absolutely. And Absolutely. It's, it's never I mean, it's never easy, like nothing e worth doing is easy. Right. Um so, you know, you might have to take a couple extra steps here and there, but if it gets you to the point that you want to be in and that you're a, a better version of yourself and happier, then I think that's a win, right? Absolutely. And, and I feel like a lot of our younger colleagues are coming into the profession with that, that 
fire inside of them to want to do some of those things, right? You know, yeah. to to want to, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna just blaze my own trail from the get. Like I'm not gonna hat you know hide behind somebody else who's been doing this like i'm just gonna go and, and start my own path and and i feel like we need that you know especially yeah, now more than ever yeah i think absolutely i feel like we need that with the way our profession is and and kind of like you know where we hang in a balance like i you know in the past i've joked on here that as a profession you know in the in the grand scheme of the healthcare world we sit at the kitty table on thanksgiving like we don't get to sit at the grown folks table uh, because of the way that, that our profession is, is managed um, obviously by laws and, and things of that nature and reimbursement and, you know, and all of that stuff. Yeah. So I, I feel like we need to step our game up and have this, this kind of winner mentality and wanting to, to prove ourselves to get us to that, to that level so that things like what you're doing in, in cash base and stuff, it becomes more normal and accepted now it's not like cash based versus everything like no you're still providing physical therapy and that's what we should be focusing on as opposed to how you're getting paid or how you're making right money. And, and you know listen i'm a small business person right so i tell people all the time i i use this phrase a lot this is a terrible business model for me to run however I'm going to see you this time. I'm going to give you a bunch of stuff to do. And I don't want to see you for two or three weeks. I want you to go do this thing and then let's talk. And that may be a terrible business plan, right? I don't sell packages. I don't do this. I don't do that. But the, the more I help people accelerate their recovery, and that's what we do as PTs, by the way. We don't, we don't, uh, we're not the sole thing. Like people are going to get better probably most things on their own without us we're accelerators we we uh we we help people get to the point a to point b quicker and, and sometimes we help people get point a to point b in period without us they couldn't do it but in general i find myself as an accelerator of recovery um i tell people all the time like you don't need to see me three times a week you need to go do this and if we can make an agreement that you're going to work at this I can see you for less money than what you would pay through co-pays on the outside through whatever. And, and, and you're going to do fine. Just, just do X, Y, and Z, keep it simple, you know, do this and that. And, and more often than not, it works out. I'm telling you guys, like, I, I think we overcomplicate things too much and there's too many barriers that get in the way. And a big part about what we do is education and, you know, telling clients, athletes, patients, students, how to get to that, I think is something that comes with experience, obviously, but it also comes with a little bit of knowledge. Like, Hey, sometimes we got to get out of our own way. Like just, we aren't the most important thing. We can facilitate a lot of things and without us, people would not get there as fast. But what I think is important is that people know that they need to be empowered to do some of the work on their own to help their recovery, to get there because without that, no one's getting better anyway. Right. Absolutely. I mean, uh, along those lines, I always tell patients, I'm like, look, I'm just the GPS. Right, right. right. You're, you're driving. I'm just telling you where we're going. Right. Like I can give you directions, but if you don't drive, we're not going to get there. So I tell people all the time. I used to see people. I used to see athletes in the training room five times a day, five times a day, almost 10 hours a day of rehab, treatment, whatever. And that's not possible on the outside now. That's just not. So if I see you once a week or even three times a week, that's three, three to five hours max. There's still all this time. you got to do all the work on your own, right? And so if you're not willing to do that, this isn't going to work no matter what we do. Mm -hmm. and, and so you can go pay your copay of whatever it is every time a week. You can pay me once. Like none of that matters unless you're willing to take some steps to kind of help yourself. And, you know, granted, I usually say it in a little bit nicer version, but sometimes not, sometimes <laughs> not. I mean, sometimes you got to hit people between the eyes with it. Right. And, and it's patient dependent. But at the same time, I think that's part of our job to let people know that they are capable of doing things. They are, you know, uh, more functional than they believe. I think I think that's OK right? Um, to empower people to get better. And, and I, go ahead, Mo. I have a, uh, a question for you. 
because yeah. you know when I go to see some patients, um, especially the ones who've had knee surgery or shoulder surgery, some of them, you know, it's like a claim to fame if they get surgery done by a doctor who works with the Washington Wizards or with the Washington Redskins. So being a PT that works in the NFL, do patients, they do they chair when they say, oh, I'm working with uh, Aaron Borman. He worked with NFL athletes. <laughs> so I'm about well, to- <laughs> Marketing's a hell of a drug, right? And so, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I, that's a calling card, sure. Yeah. But there, there's patients. Look, I think we're all very good at what we do, but none of us gets it right all the time. And so, you know, I think you try to hit the bullseye as most best as you can. You try to get the vast majority of people better the vast majority of the time. And no matter where your background is, that could be at a, uh, you know, extremely rural clinic in Western Nebraska. And if you're still getting most of the people better most of the time, I think you're doing your job, right? You're never going to get them all right. We all have cases that we wish went better or people that didn't come back or whatever. Uh, I, I think I try to look at it in the margins as opposed to the extremes and, and try to say like, hey, you know, I think I did a good job here. And if that means that I helped somebody because they heard that I did do something in my past life and my past career. Great. Right. Um, yeah. Does it help business? Absolutely. Does going to a doctor or a physician that works with a professional team always your best route? Absolutely not. Um, they have great marketing agencies and they pay a lot of money for those sponsorships. Right. Uh, that doesn't mean they're the best doctor in town. That just means that they happen to be prominent. So, you know, there's, and it's like I say about, PTs, right? There's Cadillacs and Chevys. Sometimes I'm a Cadillac, sometimes I'm a Chevy. Uh, I want to be a Cadillac all the time, but I, occasionally I'm a Chevy. And, and sometimes I have to refer out to somebody that I don't understand a, a spinal condition or, you know, something that I'm just not as good with, like a Tommy John and I'll refer across town. I'm not great with elbows. I'm pretty self-aware about that kind of thing. And so I try to stay in my lane and take care of the things that I know that I can do a good job with and have success with. But guess what? Somebody over there is just as good as me at something else. And so um, I think there's also enough patients and clients to go around for us all. And, you know, I think that's something that's okay to understand. And if a, if a person prefers somebody else to you, that's fine too. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. As long as that person's getting better and maybe you help that person find the person that gets them better. That's all good. Like, I don't lose sleep over any of that kind of nonsense in the competitive industry that we're in because I know eventually it's going to come back around and I'm going to help somebody else for that person. So at the end of the day, I just try to get better what's in front of me. Absolutely. I, I think right there, man, you, you dropped uh, a couple nuggets because <laughs> that, that, that's what it boils down to. And, and I'm of the same mindset, right? Like I've been on the show before and I've said, that there's more than enough patience to go around. Yeah. Right. We, we don't need to fight over patients because there's more than enough patients. There's a lot of patients that don't even have access to us or somebody like us that, that, and we're over here fighting about, you know, two patients over here. Right. So number one, there's more than enough patients to go around. Number two is, which I think is a very important one is knowing when you're not the right person. Yeah. Because I think, that is probably the most beneficial thing that you can do for a potential patient, client, athlete, whatever the case may be. Because when you know enough to know I'm not that guy, I'm not that girl, I, I'm not the right person for you, but you know what? Let me find you somebody that can do it better than me, right? Because I feel like you said, now you've helped that person get better, even if yeah. it wasn't you. And that person's always going to remember, damn, you know what, Aaron? Aaron sent me in the right direction. Now I have this problem. Let me come back to him because if he can't figure it out, I know he's going to get me to the right person. I, I tell people all the time, like, hey, you know, if I'm on a phone call, introductory phone call with somebody, you know, I, 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 we talk about the condition, we talk about what the thoughts are and this and that. I said, look, if you decide to go with me, I'd love to help you. But if not, don't not call me back because I will get you to somebody that you can find that works better for you. You know, if it's a financial deal or if it's a body part deal or whatever location, like don't not call me back. Even if it's not me, that's cool. Let me help you find somebody because the worst thing that I don't 
I can't stand is crappy care, right? And I think we all know examples of such stuff. So let's let's you know promote the profession, even if it's not us. I think is a pretty important message. And you know, I Kansas City is a big enough town to where there's enough people to continue to refer around, and the circle of referrals just kind of goes round and round and round and round, and it comes back to you. It really does. And so I'm happy to take care of anything that happens on the sports field, right? That's my niche. That's my that's my go-to. Uh, when I get a call for a Parkinson's patient, uh, let's talk about it. Maybe go see my neuro friend over here or a really complex spine patient. Let's go over here, maybe. You know, that kind of thing. Give me all the Achilles repairs. Give me all the ACL repairs, even though it's my least favorite thing. Give me all the uh, throwing injuries and the quarterbacks and, the you know, that kind of thing. Take all this stuff over here because, honestly, you're going to have a better result. And I don't – selfishly, I don't want to have a bad result – but I also want you to get better, right? And so I think that that self-awareness just comes with a lot of experience. Absolutely. And trying to trying to put your ego out of the way, which is tough for me to do sometimes because you have to have a little bit of ego to work in professional sports. I mean, oh, just a little for bit. For sure. For sure. I mean, the, when you think about professional sports and, and the mentality, the work ethic that it takes to be part of that 1%, like you've got to be that dude to a certain extent, like you've got to look in the mirror yeah. and say, I'm that guy or I'm that girl, whatever the case may be. Right. Because if you don't have that, like you don't have that edge, you don't have that, that mentality to push past whatever it is that you're having to encounter. I was so, always that dude that would stand on the sideline and I'd always stand next to my boss. And if somebody went down, they went back in the locker room, you know, it'd be an MCL for instance. Right. I'd say, Oh, I'm going to have him back in two weeks and go, no, you won't. And I go, yes, I will. No, you won't. And sometimes I did and sometimes I didn't. But, you know, that was that was me. That was the only way that I got up and went to work every Monday morning. Like, OK, how can I cut a corner this week? How can I impress somebody? How can I how can I build my name that my rehab programs are better? And, you know, that that's that's settled down quite a bit because the stakes are a lot lower these days. But that's that's life in the, that world. Right. You got to have it or else you're just not going to make it. Uh, speaking like you just touched on something very important. Um, I want to know because some athletes, they get injured late in the season when they're about to get like a contract renewal or they become a free agent. What was the pressure like for you as a physical therapist, athletic trainer, working with an athlete who uh, they're um, playing the biggest game of their life and they just got yeah. injured in the last game and they're coming to you, seeing you five times a day, maybe 10, soaking in ice baths, like... What so what you in that position when you know it's not kind of I think what I think what's really important if mm -hmm. you're going to work in that environment is that you understand every single player's individual needs, right? Because the superstar athlete with a guaranteed contract has less to worry about. Not to say that he doesn't care, he or she, excuse me. Not saying that they don't care but they have less to worry about on the athlete that has a non-guaranteed contract fighting every week to stay on the roster. That person is going to push through more, more than likely because they know they have to. Right. And so I can't tell you how many times I've had somebody come to me and go, yo, Aaron, this is a contract year. I got to be on the field this week. Okay, let's do it. Let's figure it out. Let's figure out how I can get you to Sunday or, Hey, um, you know, um, I've got incentives that I got to meet. Let's do this. Let's figure it out. You know, um, that's real. Like that's actually very, very real. And to your point, Mo, uh, toward the end of the season, it gets even more real. Even if the team's not going to the playoffs, even if, uh, you know, there's nothing at stake for the team at large, individuals all have their own needs. Right. And so I think if you take a step back and, you know, the, one of the things that bothered me the most every time was, uh, guys would come in and not everybody, but some people would They'd be like, oh, you work for the team. You're just trying to throw us back out there. I'm like, no, 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 you don't get it. You don't understand. If you're on the field, that means I helped put you on the field. That makes you look better. That makes me look better. That helps our team win games. Hopefully that concludes playoff bonuses and rings. Right. And so, yeah, I was employed by teams, but I was working for each individual player and myself and the team all at the same time in this kind of weird merry-go-round, right? And, you know, those things are super, super real. And sports where 
uh, you know, those contracts aren't always guaranteed or there's younger guys in a contract year or this and this and this. You know, the old saying is the contract year is undefeated, right? Everybody always plays better in a contract year. Um, that's that's super, super real. And in other sports where contracts are always guaranteed, like the NBA and MLB and the NHL, as opposed to the NFL, where contracts are not always guaranteed, more so now today than when I was in, um, that's a that's a big time deal. Like people are fighting for their lives and their careers, right? Uh, and so you have to like understand that and have a give and take. And there would be times when I would say, "Hey, look, you know, what what what's on the line here for this sixteenth game of the season? What do you have any incentives in your contract that we got to get you to? Do you have like are you up this year?" Um, and that's a that's a conversation I've had multiple times. Uh, it's real. It's very real. Uh, have you ever had an incident uh, where it was your professional recommendation for an athlete not to return to the game, but they were like, screw it. I got to show up for my team. I got to show yeah. up for my family. So I was very fortunate for my entire time in the NFL to work for one head coach. That's very rare. Um, and we moved team, but I worked for one head coach and one head athletic trainer. Extremely rare. Now, uh, that being the caveat, uh, I will say that we always lived under the premise that we will never put you on the field if you are unsafe to play, right? There's a difference between whether you can and can't play. It depends on whether you're unsafe to play. If you can play 10 plays, do we put you out there? Do we burn a roster spot because you can only play 10 plays, but somebody else can play the whole game? That's a different story, right? If you're not safe to play, if you can't defend yourself, if you cannot play the position, we're not putting you out there regardless of if you want to be or not, right? That's that's the floor, right? And so I think as a good clinician, that's where you have to start. And then the conversation goes up from there. There's been countless number of guys that wanted to play, right? But you can't do it. You just have to go, no, I'm sorry. Um, we're not sacrificing week five at the expense of week seven, eight, nine, and 10, right? We need you for the season. I know you want to play. I appreciate that but big picture here right and so there's again there's a lot of nuance there's a lot of emotions there's contract issues there's agent issues there's team issues and all that has to be like put into the mix right every week every player and luckily as not the head person i didn't have to deal with that as much but those conversations were had around us and we all had to be aware of it i'm sure rg3 would have been grateful to have a training team and coach the U.S. out in Philly, um, but that was that's, that's a unique. We could take that discussion offline. <laughs> um, so, it seems like you had a really great relationship with Andy Reid. So that I do. He says a whole lot that you would pick up your family, move from Philly to Kansas because he went there. Um, I honestly think, and I think you mentioned it in one of your Twitter conversations, that he's a very underrated coach. We, everybody knows that Greg Popovich is a stellar coach at San Antonio. Um, Andy Reid dedicated a lot of his time in Philly. He went to Kansas. He won rings. But he's built players up. Um, but as you said, they don't give him enough credit because they think he has superstars on the team. Well, the thing, the great thing about Andy Reid, and I'm actually in a very unique position. I did his total knee replacement twice. So um, I've rehabbed Andy Reid. I've spent a lot of time with Andy Reid. He and I uh, have a very unique relationship and the fact that kind of that therapeutic alliance thing in addition to a boss and kind of a, a worker, right? And so there's, there's layers there. It's kind of like an onion. Um, the great thing about Andy Reid, and I'll say this to anybody that wants to know it, A, he's got the best sense of humor that you've ever seen. He doesn't show it much in the public persona, but he's one of the funniest guys I've ever met in my life. Uh, B, he will, he will always give players the credit and he will take the blame. And and players appreciate that, right? If if something doesn't go right in the game, Andy will, you know, go to the media and go, yo, I got to do a better job of that. Um, if somebody scores a touchdown, yeah, he did a great job of that. You know, and so um, he's very well renowned as a player's coach for that. Players respect him. They don't always agree with him, you know, because he's kind of an old school, hardline guy, but they respect that. They, they love to play for him. Um, there's only been a handful of players that spoke out against him in his long career. And those guys uh, kind of speak for themselves in that regard about their attitudes and where they ended up. So, you know, I think the vast majority of people would say uh, phenomenal coach, regardless of the fact that the, the rings didn't come until Kansas City. 
Uh, that didn't mean that he wasn't deserving of it because of his coaching style in Philadelphia or the early years here in Kansas City. Just a, a really, really great guy to have as a boss for a very long time. Yeah, I, I was just going to ask you about that. I mean, obviously, when he was in Philly, didn't like him. I'm a Cowboys fan. So. We're not going to talk about that, Alex. So, We're not going to so, talk about you, that. Finally, finally, so, I have some so, reserve. So, you know, aside from that, but like you said, it's very unique, it's a very unique situation to have the experience to work as long as you did for the same head coach right. and, and, and the same. And, you know, we we all see what they say about Andy Reid, the coach and the individual. I, I would I like from watching him and even on the little that you do get from him, I do think he's hilarious. Um, Ten know, times that. Ten times that he, he to me seems like a very cool person to hang around with. Who's not going to be about that BS, but no. he's still going to to have like that leniency, like that fun component to it. Because yeah. you know, like obviously, there's 50 million different styles of coaching and whatnot that you see in the NFL, and and some right. work, some don't. You know, you've got your Bill Belichick's and, and Andy's and then Pete Carroll and, you know, whoever you want to name. There's just so many different styles in the NFL. But he's always been that consistent to where win or win or lose, you're getting about the same from him. Um, well, the thing, the thing that I always point to with Andy is not only do the players love him, they, they don't always agree, but they, they play hard for him, right? Um, and Andy has one of the most – at least recently in the last 20 years, one of the most successful coaching trees out there, um, whether it be Harbaugh there in uh, Baltimore or Sean in Buffalo or Todd down in Tampa or Doug down in Jacksonville, you know, uh, these guys have success, you know, varying degrees, of course, but, you know, there's, there's rings off of that tree. Um, and, and Ron Rivera in Washington is off of that tree as well. Uh, you know, Brad Childress in Minnesota had a nice run. And so, you know, that, that to me is the measure of not only how great of a coach he is within his team, but how he can teach other people to be good coaches. And, uh, you know, we can sit here and argue how terrible the Cowboys are all night long, and that's fine, but um, – and how, how terrible playing in that casino of a stadium is. Um, <laughs> but, you know, all that's fine and good, and I'll share some good pictures with you someday. Uh, but you know, like I, I, what I think is a, a longevity, right. He's been doing it forever. Uh, B you don't hear people say anything bad about him and that's real. Um, and, and C the people that who have worked for him will sing his praises as, uh, as a, as a boss, as a manager, as that kind of style, um, you know, kind of to the ends of the earth, as far as you want to go with everybody, um, you know, tough, fair, great uh guy inside the walls so you mentioned the coaching tree totally football related question you don't have to answer if you don't want to yeah greg the enemy what do you eric. i'm sorry eric i'm sorry yeah what 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 are your thoughts because that's been like the big you know kind of question mark like oh is it Andy? Oh, now, you're, now you're making me put my uh analyst on the ESPN hat on. I, I, yeah, I'm not yeah. uh, Shannon. Sports fans on here, so. So EB, <laughs> EB is a fantastic coach. He's an unbelievable coach. He's a great teacher of the position and of offense in general. And, and here's the problem with that narrative, right? Anybody that goes from somebody that had success always gets labeled that until they prove it at the next time. And EB will tell you that. Everybody who has left Andy's tree will tell you that. You know, they had to prove it after the fact, right? And, you know, again, varying levels of success that happens in the league. And there's 18 different factors for that, you know, teams, uh, personnel, ownership, whatever. Uh, I What I can do is I can vouch for you after being around EB for as long as I was um, that you're not going to find anybody that cares about his players more than EB does. He's going to ride you, and he's going to make sure you're doing the right thing, but he's going to get the absolute most out of you. And, um, you know, he's a fantastic teacher of the game. I think that he's a wonderful person. Um, he's fun to sit and talk to. And he's uh, just a, a great coach to work for because, 
you know, the best thing that I liked about my sports medicine career, the NFL is coaches that understood what you were trying to tell them and didn't get in your way and go, no, I got to have them now. Or you're wrong. I played through this. I played through that. No, no. He goes, okay, great. Just let me know when I get him back. Cool. Fine. Well, that, that I can work with that. Right. Um, I, I'll keep you updated and we'll get him back as soon as we can. So we're, we had a great relationship. I love DB. Still do. Awesome. Wait, he's in he's in Washington now, right? Yeah, he's yeah, uh, he's the OC. OC at Washington. Well, yeah. so selfishly, I hope he does real bad. Um, and then we can continue to go from there. But um, so at, as we get close to wrapping up, there was something that was on your Twitter that mm-hmm. I saw your response. I had seen this before you even responded, but then I saw your response and it made me think, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna ask him this. So there was a post where somebody said would you rather be given a $1 million oh, man. <laughs> or, B, or B have 10 carries in an NFL game to gain five yards for 10 million? So full disclosure, when I first saw that, I was like, I think B, you know, 10, 10 carries to get five yards. If you average half a yard, you'll get there. <laughs> but okay, that, that's fine. So you've been down in the trenches you know what it's like your response was take the million because there's no way that you're getting the five yards tell me about that alex come on man like (laughs) there's there's dudes that get hurt out there that do this for a career that get peeled off the turf if there's first of all there's no guarantee that you're even going to get the handoff correctly second of all there's no guarantee that the offensive lineman does the right thing. And then, you know, a Chris Jones or an Aaron Donald comes through the line and crunches you. Oh. You're not getting up. You're just no. I mean, just and and if, if you happen to make it back to the line of scrimmage, I, you think you're pushing through that? No, there's <laughs> NFL running backs that can't do that. And so take your million. Have a have a great vacation, smoke a bunch of meat, and just live <laughs> high on the hog on that one million. Because you're throwing away a million if you choose B. I'm just telling you right now, you're not. It's not happening. Fair enough. Fair enough. All great points, man. Aaron, thank you so much, man. We really do appreciate your time. Um, it, it was awesome. It was awesome to to get to to hear you know your your story and and hopefully it's inspired some of our our listeners and watchers to to want to kind of blaze their own trail so to speak in the nfl but I mean, you're doing awesome stuff um and awesome you know great great experiences great stories man so really really do appreciate your time um for coming on the show with us yeah thanks so much for having me and if i may uh it's, it's funny that you pointed out that that uh, twitter post i love probably too much to interact with people on social media so um, if anybody has anything that I can be a resource with, I'm happy to do so. Um, I, I like to mix it up. I'm obviously very opinionated, um, probably to my detriment. But uh, I, I, I like to learn on social media and learn from people way, way smarter than me. Um, that's how I do a lot of my learning these days uh, through social media and podcasts and stuff like that. So uh, this is a great this has been fantastic. Uh, and I appreciate you guys for having me on. Absolutely. Anytime. Thank you. And. Everybody, it's okay to pivot. Even if it's not a seven-year itch, you can pivot. So, Yep, absolutely. All right, everybody, have a good night. Thank you to our followers. Continue to like, share all the posts, follow us on all of our social media platforms. Follow Aaron if you're not following him as well. Good stuff on his uh, Twitter and whatnot. And uh, we're getting closer to football season. All right, well, you enjoy your golf trip, man. Hit them straight. Keep it on the short stuff. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks, guys. Good night.